Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application. In order to support our show, we need the help of some great advertisers. And we want to make sure those advertisers are ones you'll actually want to hear about. But we need to learn a little more about you to make that possible. So go to podsurvey.com slash artofman and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better. That way, we can bring on advertisers you won't want to skip. Once you've completed the quick survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's podsurvey.com slash artofman, A-R-T-O-F-M-A-N, podsurvey.com slash artofman. Thanks for your help. Brett McKay here and welcome to another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. So there are tons and tons of self-help books, blogs, magazines, articles that tell you that if you do X things that you'll be happier, richer, more attractive, fitter, more awesome. I mean, whatever. And you, you follow this stuff, it's kind of motivating, but then you find that it sort of wears off. Like You, you fall off the bandwagon, the, the, the bandwagon and you're back to where you started and it's frustrating right? Well, our guest today makes the argument that all this self-help advice, while well-intended, doesn't actually work in the long run. And what we need to do is edit or change the stories that we tell about ourselves to ourselves. Our guest is Timothy Wilson. He's a professor of psychology at the University of Virginia, and he's the author of the book, Redirect, The Surprising New Science of Psychological Change. And in this podcast, we're going to discuss his research that he's found about what's called story editing, which is these stories that we have in our head about ourselves, about our circumstances, and that if we can edit these stories, change what they are, the parts of them, that we can fundamentally change our life trajectory and we can become happier, healthier, et cetera, et cetera. And it's change that can be long lasting. Uh, so really fascinating discussion. In fact, his book Redirect inspired one of my most fa- one of my favorite posts that we wrote on the site, which is about the George Bailey effect. So we're going to talk about how George Bailey from It's a Wonderful Life can help you become a better, happier man. So great discussion here. Let's get on with the show. Dr. Timothy Wilson, welcome to the show. Great to be here, Brett. So uh, your book Redirect, a uh, fascinating book. We're going to get really, we're going to delve deep into it, but you start off with describing what's called CSID or critical incident stress debriefing. And this is where therapists are sent in to the location of a traumatic event so they can talk to people about it immediately. So if there was a a mass shooting, for example, or uh, they would send in therapists to talk to the students right away. And at first blush, this sounds like a great idea. When I read about that, I was like, oh, that's a good idea. That should help people. Um, But you present research that suggests otherwise. Can you talk about what the researchers have found on the effectiveness of CSID? Sure. Uh, Well, the reason I opened the book with that example is that uh, to illustrate that as valuable as common sense can be, sometimes it 
doesn't lead to the best interventions. And it's the more non-obvious things that work. And you're right, CISD really, um, it makes sense that if you get people to, to purge their feelings, to, to uh, instead of bottling them up, of, of talking about them, that that should be helpful. But, and in fact, as you mentioned, this technique has been used across the country with uh, first responders and um, many people who have experienced trauma. Uh, researchers didn't get around to really testing it vigorously until relatively recently. And unfortunately, it turns out not only not to work, but some people argue it can actually backfire. That by getting people to verbalize a traumatic event, it actually imprints it in our memories more. And we, we find it more difficult to get beyond an event. Um, and in fact, you know, sometimes distraction can be a good thing. And if something horrible has happened to us, to take our mind off it, go spend time with our family or loved ones, um, uh, you know, absorb yourself in a book or a movie. But the more you dwell on it right away, the more you're going to remember it. Interesting. So what? So besides distraction, what have they found that's helpful um, to? help individuals who've undergone a very traumatic event? Well, one thing researchers are finding is that people are amazingly resilient, that, that um, these things can be terrible to experience, but if we just let the natural healing process take place, uh, let people kind of follow their instincts as to how much to think about it versus distract themselves, that they're going to get over it um, um, sooner if not later. Now, if in many cases or some cases that, that doesn't work and a few weeks go by and people find that they can't get an event out of their minds, and that's where there are some writing exercises that psychologists have developed that turn out to be remarkably helpful. So just taking out a piece of paper uh, before you go to bed at night and writing about your deepest thoughts and feelings about this a thing that's troubling you. And doing that, say, three or four nights in a row is painful, but it can help people move beyond these events by getting them to restructure it and, and think about it in a way that gives it some meaning and allows them to, to move on. So why is it that uh, writing, as opposed to talking about it right away, is more beneficial? I mean, what's the difference there? Well, I think a real key is the timing that... Uh, these writing exercises are typically done after a few weeks um, at a minimum have gone by so that people have had um, time to uh, their natural resilience processes have kicked in perhaps. And um, the event isn't quite as, as vivid in their minds. Uh, so there's less risk that, that, this, that writing about it um, or talking about it will imprint it in their memories. I think gaining some perspective, I mean, you know, I mean, think of the example of all of us have probably undergone a romantic breakup uh, where someone has, has uh, told us, look, uh, this isn't working. And, you know, is it best to sort of wallow in your feelings right away and write about it or, you know, maybe go spend time with your friends, let some time go by and, and then revisit it. And it's getting that perspective over time, which, which can really be helpful. Okay. So you start off with talking about the, the CSID as a way to introduce uh, story editing. Uh, can you explain what story editing is? Because this is a, it's a relatively... I guess not new idea in psychology or social psychology, but it's gaining more and more, um, I guess, attention. Uh, so what is story editing and how does it affect the way we think about the world and think about ourselves? 
Sure. Well, um, it's a metaphor that we all have stories that we tell ourselves about um, who we are and what's happening to us in life. And it does um, uh, capitalize on an age-old phenomenon in philosophy that the world is not something objective that we look at like a movie. Rather, we are always interpreting and, and making sense of the world around us and weaving that into some sort of narrative about uh, what's happening to us and who we are and so on. And often these stories or narratives are quite healthy and, and uh, uh, help us um, deal with traumatic events. Um, we have a, a lot of self-confidence um, and strength. But sometimes these stories go wrong and, and people end up with pessimistic views of themselves or uh, interpretations that that lead to rumination and and negative feelings and and so this this metaphor of story editing is if we can somehow uh, get inside people's heads and just get them to redirect that story into a healthier direction that can have big benefits down the road. Okay, so you uh, highlight uh, research that was done with uh, college students on the power of story editing about their grades. Um, can you briefly describe that research? Sure. Well, this is kind of how I got interested many years ago in, in this whole area. And it's a study I did uh, with college students, as you said, who were uh, in their first year and struggling and, and not performing um, as well as they, um, they thought they, they should be or, or could be. And if you think about that, um, there's lots of ways we might try to help such a student who is struggling. We could... Um, maybe give them a study skills uh, intervention or maybe give them some medication to calm them down. Um, but we decided to intervene at this level of the story. And, and our hunch was that there's a kind of a um, vicious cycle of thinking that people can get in where uh, they're questioning whether they have what it takes to do well in college. And that leads to some worry and anxiety. And, and that makes it even harder to study and, and to actually do well. And so the story in this case is maybe I don't fit in here, maybe I don't have what it takes, which leads to this vicious cycle of it spirals downward. So we did a really simple intervention where we brought students in. Uh, we didn't tell them that the goal was to uh, help them. We just told them they were taking part in a survey. And as part of this survey, we gave them some information that challenged this view that they couldn't do it and tried to reinforce the view that lots of people struggle in the first year. And it's not a sign that they are failures, it's a sign that college is a time of adjustment and they need to try a little harder. We gave them some statistics showing that grades often improve after the first year and showed them some videotapes of older students who reinforced this message, said, yeah, you know, it was tough my first semester, but um, it got better over time. So, you know, pretty simple. This took about a half an hour and where they learned this message. And um, we had a control group of students who were randomly assigned to not get this message. And then we followed the two groups, those who got the story editing uh, intervention and those who didn't. And um, I have to say, even we were surprised that, at the effects that this little half hour message seemed to redirect people's stories in ways that led to better grades over the next year. And they, in fact, were even more likely to stay in college. Our control group, uh, a fairly significant portion of them dropped out. But in this intervention group, uh, many fewer did. Interesting. So how can someone 
apply story editing to their own life because they're in the research you you know unbeknownst to them they were getting this message that was kind of helping them redirect uh their stories about themselves but what are there some methods that people can use to implement story editing in their own life well it's a really good question brett because i think you know sometimes it does take a, a third party to do this that we can get caught in cycles of rumination where it's just hard to look at our own circumstances objectively and sometimes it does take um, you know, someone else to, to uh, kind of nudge our story in a, in a better direction. But there are some things we can do. And, and uh, that writing exercise I mentioned uh, earlier where people can um, just on their own decide to write about traumatic events. Um, there have been a number of those writing exercises that have been developed. One that um, has gotten some recent attention is to write about some negative event from a third person perspective um, as if you were a fly on the wall and to try to explain why this thing happened to you. So rather than re-immersing yourself in, in something negative, uh, say you had a problem at work where you had a fight with your boss or something, rather than kind of reliving those feelings, imagine that you're a fly on the wall looking at you and your boss interacting with a, a particular goal of trying to explain it better than you have before. And often, you know, it sounds simple, but that little writing exercise of becoming more objective often leads people to revise their thinking about it, to attach new meaning and in ways that actually helps them move on. And you also mentioned, I guess, behave to feel like, or I guess, cognitive dissonance, reverse cognitive dissonance, where if you want to feel like you're a run, like a, a runner person, like just start running. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a really important one too. And I refer to it as the do good, be good principle. And, you know, it's a real mantra of social psychology that if we want to change ourselves, often the first step is to change our behavior. So if we want to view ourselves as more caring, helpful people, then do some volunteer work. If a better family person, then uh, do the dishes more in your house or, or uh, spend more time with your kids. So, because you know what happens is once our behavior changes, the story often follows after that, and it reinforces this new self-identity of, yes, I am a helpful person because look what I'm doing. Wedding season is coming up, and if you are preparing for the big day, I know wedding planning can be really intimidating, but finding the perfect suit shouldn't be. Indochino makes it easy to get a fully customizable suit right from your home. Don't just wear any suit on your big day. Wear a custom made-to-measure suit. Suits start at just $499, which is about the same price you'd pay for an off-the-rack suit at a department store. And they've also got custom made-to-measure shirts starting at just $89. So I've talked about my Indochino suit on the podcast before. They've been a longtime podcast sponsor. It's navy blue. The measuring process was super easy. They got these video guides you follow. You'll need another set of hands to help you out with that. But the really fun part is customizing it. Got to customize how I wanted the lapels on the jacket, the pockets, the lining. I went no pleats on the pants on this suit. A lot of fun. And then in a few weeks, you have a made-to-measure custom suit sent directly to your door. When planning your wedding, get a suit as unique as you with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com and use code MANLINESS to get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com, promo code MANLINESS. All right, so if you're like me, you've probably signed up for a whole bunch of stuff that has a recurring monthly fee. Subscriptions to newsletters, subscriptions to services that you use online, uh, could be a streaming service, something like that. 
you sign up for it and then you forget about it. And then every month you're getting charged and charged and charged and they just all add up and you have a hard time trying to figure out where did I sign up for this? I don't know where this is coming from. Let me tell you, there's an app that can help you with that. It's called Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. I had a chance to use Rocket Money and it works. You connect your account to it and then it goes through your accounts and helps you find those recurring subscription fees that maybe you forgot about and then you can cancel them and save yourself a bit of money each month. Stop wasting money and things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com manliness. That's rocketmoney.com slash manliness, rocketmoney.com slash manliness. Daylight saving time is starting up again. The goal of this is to give us more daylight from March through November. By setting our clocks forward, it may feel like there are more hours in the day, but if you're hiring, it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates for your roles any sooner. There is only one way to do that, ZipRecruiter. And right now you can try it for free at ziprecruiter.com slash manliness. ZipRecruiter works around the clock to help you find qualified candidates. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100 plus job sites so you can reach more of the right people. ZipRecruiter smart technology also quickly scans thousands of resumes to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. Spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why four out of five employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash manliness. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash manliness. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Picture that thing you've always wanted to learn. All right, you got that in your head? Now picture learning it from the person who's literally the best at it in the world. That's what you get with Masterclass. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors, and many of these instructors are former AOM podcast guests. You can learn negotiation from Chris Voss, leadership skills from Jocko Willink, how to master your habits with James Clear. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. So recently, I went through the masterclass on negotiation with Chris Voss. A lot of useful information in there. Talked about the value of knowing a negotiation, how to use your body language and speech patterns to get your best out of a negotiation. Very well done. I really enjoyed it and got a lot out of it. Right now, listeners of our podcast can get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash AOM. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash AOM. Masterclass.com slash AOM. Check out the masterclass on negotiation with Chris Voss. Interesting. So um, what do you tell to the person who, like they listen to this, like they sound, oh, this is great. I'm, I'm really pessimistic. I'm sort of a curmudgeon. I'm... Um, not very resilient, and I want to change my narrative about themselves. I want to change my narrative about myself. Uh, I mean, I can see this. There'd be points of frustration where you know you, you try doing the story editing, but change doesn't happen all the way, and you get frustrated, like oh, this doesn't work, and you you begin that vicious cycle of thinking that I can't change my story. Um, is there I mean, is there any hope for the curmudgeon that wants to change themselves with with story editing? Yeah, well, I, you know, I, I will put in a plug for uh, psychotherapy, but I do think it <laughs> really get out of hand that, you know, one might think of psychotherapy as a bigger dose of story editing where you have someone else to help you with it. And, and you know, there's a lot of good evidence that psychotherapy works for a lot of problems. So, so if your curmudgeon, you know, is really getting seriously depressed, for example, um, seek some help. But short of that, 
Um, you know, I, I think there's there's always some room to maneuver. I, I don't mean to suggest that these techniques will change us overnight from a curmudgeon to uh, the most optimistic uh, person in the world. Uh, but through these writing exercises and, and changing our behavior piece by piece, um, I think over time it, it can help at least some. Okay. So you had uh, one section in your book that it actually inspired a blog post on our site uh, about the George Bailey effect. Uh, and it's sort of, a, I guess, a technique that people can use to edit their story to be happier. Um, can you talk about the George Bailey effect and how people can implement it in their own life? Sure. Well, this was inspired by some research in the positive psychology movement, which suggests to people that they keep gratitude journals. Uh, so each night, maybe um, spend a little time writing about uh, things in your life that you're thankful for. And I've tried that myself, and, you know, it, it's, it's fine. Um, but I, I find that um, yeah, we, we've already thought a lot about those things, and not that we've taken them for granted, but we... We, um, we've kind of accepted that these things are in our life, and um, just reminding us, I'm not sure, always delivers that much of a, of a bang. So we, in, in some research, tried a, a slightly different approach, where instead of asking people what they were uh, thankful for, we said, imagine something really good in your life, like your relationship, say, with a spouse or partner, and imagine that it never happened. Um, really go into some detail about uh, why you might not have ever met your partner, or once you met him or her, you didn't start a relationship. And the George Bailey uh, name comes from the movie It's a Wonderful Life, where many people know that, that Jimmy Stewart had this uh, angel come and show him what life would have been like had he not lived. And in a way, that's what people do in this writing exercise. They, they imagine what their life would be like if uh, this good thing had not happened to them. And we found in, in some studies that that actually was better than gratitude journals at improving people's mood and making them appreciate things um, that they have. Interesting. It sounds very similar to um, some stoic philosophy of you know, sort of subtracting the good and focusing on the negative to make you happier in a weird paradoxical way. Yeah, no, I, I think uh, that's a good comparison. Okay, um, so moving beyond to helping just ourselves uh, redirect our stories, I know a lot of our listeners are parents um, or dads. What can we do to help our children develop positive self-narratives that make them resilient and, and effective in the world? Um, is there any research out there that talks about what, what, what we can do to help internalize desired values uh, in our kids? Sure. Well, you know, I do have a chapter in the book uh, specifically on parenting, and I do think there are some lessons here that, you know, one way of describing what our job is as a parent is to help our kids develop good, healthy stories that where they make themselves as uh, kids who are autonomous and, and um, have a purpose and, and are effective. And um, the danger with, with overdoing some parenting techniques is that we're too controlling and it prevents our kids from acquiring that, that identity as someone who is, is autonomous in themselves. So, for example, um, I think all parents, I know I've certainly been there when my kids were younger, it's, it's, uh, we all use rewards and punishments of some form or another, like time out or something. And um, sometimes we need to. Our kids are doing something dangerous or, or misbehaving. 
But the real key is to do it with a light hand, that if, we're, if we go overboard, either with rewards or punishment, it conveys the view to our kids that they're doing something to satisfy us or to avoid punishment. And they don't internalize this idea that this is something they should value in and of themselves. So it's tricky, but, but the goal is to use the smallest amount of reward you can to induce your child to behave the way you want them to. And if you have to use punishment, um, rewards tend to work better than punishment, but if you have to, um, do it with a very light hand so that uh, your child doesn't end up thinking, uh, I'm doing this just to avoid the wrath of dad. Uh, and that helps a child internalize the values that you, you want them to. Excellent. And I imagine just displaying positive story editing in your own life would be a good, like it rubs off on them, right? If you react well, like to a, a setback and just sort of remunerate about it, your kids will probably pick up on that, I imagine. They would. And, and it does remind me, too, that, you know, kids are excellent uh, observers of adults and and uh, and imitating and learning just from watching. And it suggests that we need to be really good role models for our kids, that if we want them to grow up to be helpful people, we need to exhibit helpfulness ourselves and and so on, that they, they um, uh, you know, they can really um observe us very, very acutely. Okay. So one chapter that was really fascinating, and I, I think it really showcases the power of story editing, is in the way it can help underachieving um, children in school uh, close the achievement gap. Can you talk about the research that's been done with that on how just redirecting these students' stories about themselves um, can help them excel in school? Sure. Well, there's some really exciting research going on in this area. And, you know, as everyone knows, there are problems that seem so hard to fix. They're, they're rooted in decades of, of poverty and so on. And, and it's, 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 it uh, has been reduced a little bit um, over the past few decades, but it still persists at, at uh, alarming rates where minority kids are not doing as well in school. And so some social psychologists um, got the idea to, well, maybe this is a story problem in a sense that, that kids, minority kids, um, they're in school and they work, but they quickly learn that this is a place where their identity is at risk, that there's a stereotype that they're not going to do as well. And that puts pressure on them. If they're taking a test, not only do they have to worry about doing well for their own sake, they have to worry about confirming a stereotype that they're not going to do well. And this can be debilitating. So some researchers went into um, a middle school and they randomly assigned some kids, um, black and white, to do a writing exercise where they just um, picked a value other than academics that was really important to them and write about why it was important. So kids, um, they had a list they could choose from and they were things like their family, their religion, uh, a sport, a hobby. And so the kids um, did this, and as it turns out, this little what's called a self-affirmation exercise had no effect on the white kids because presumably they were already felt their identity was safe in school. But for the black kids, um, it helped them reduce the threat by reminding them that they were valuable kids who, who had um, uh, relationships and, and hobbies and things that they valued it kind of lowered the heat a little bit about their identity at school. And ironically, that made them actually do better, that there was less concern that all their eggs were in this one basket, in a sense. 
And the kids who got this, this little writing intervention, um, it, it basically closed the achievement gap by 40% in, in this one school. Fascinating. I think there was similar research done on that, just the, the power of stereotype in a child's life is where even if, they, if you don't have the child identify their race or gender, they actually perform better. Yes. Yes, that's fascinating that, that just having uh, kids check the box, even college students can just remind them of that, what's called stereotype threat, and, uh, and make them do worse. Yeah. Okay. So um, what can, I always try to end these podcasts with uh, just some like one thing that people, like some actionable things that people can do. And I know story editing is sort of a, a lifelong thing you need to you know, implement, but what's one thing that a person can start doing today to implement story editing and redirect how they think about themselves today? Well, I, I guess what I say, Brad, is just remind ourselves that change is possible, that, that we're not fixed beings that, that um, are stuck in one way that we have to be stuck in forever, that just by adopting this metaphor of the story, um, I think it empowers us to, uh, to change it. And um, I'm not suggesting it's easy and, and that every problem will magically disappear, but I think just um, beginning to view whatever's troubling us as well, it's a story. And you know, at one extreme, if I really need help, I can get psychotherapy. But short of that, there's a lot of little things I can do of changing my behavior or these writing exercises that can send me on the road to uh, a better story. Excellent. So where can people go to find out more about your work? And you're also a musician, what I gathered from your well, web- website. Uh, yes and no. <laughs> I, uh, I do on my website have uh, links to some other people with the name Tim Wilson. Oh, is that what that is? Okay. I, uh, both of whom are musicians. Now, I do play the guitar, but not okay. in any way that people in public would want to hear me. Let me put it that That's way. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, I amuse myself. I sometimes get calls for the other Tim Wilson and say, hey, right? show up at this bar and play, and uh, maybe sometime I'll do it. But yeah, we'll, we'll see. Uh, but, but to answer your question, um, I do have this book, Redirect, which is coming out in paperback in the next couple of months, but is available now on, in, in hardback. And uh, there's a Facebook page for it where I post things occasionally that are in the news that, that people can like as well. Fantastic. Well, Tim Wilson, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure. been a lot of fun for me too. Thanks, Brad. Thank you. Our guest today was Timothy Wilson. He is the author of the book, Redirect, The Surprising New Science of Psychological Change. And you can find that on Amazon.com. Well, that wraps up another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. For more manly tips and advice, make sure to check out the Art of Manliness website at artofmanliness.com. And if you haven't already, please check out store.artofmanliness.com for our all of our Art of Manliness wares and swag. Got some AOMTs, a really cool vintage camp coffee mug, got a tie bar, lapel pins, an IF poster or a Man in the Arena poster that has features, has Teddy Roosevelt on it. Uh, Your purchases there will help support the art of manliness, and I'd really appreciate that. So thank you if you do. You don't have to. You're a grown man. Do whatever you want. So until next time, this is Brett McKay telling you to stay manly. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you 
Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application.